Hello everybody, it is Michael Cox, and I'm here with the first episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about the NBA scrimmages and some players and teams who stood out to me. We're going to be talking about what I predict everybody in the bubble to go in these eight games, and my playoff standings, as well as giving you six scouting reports for upcoming players in the draft including LaMelo Ball, Tyrese Halliburton, Killian Hayes, Cole Anthony, Trey Jones, and Desmond Bain. First, I'm going to start off with the players who stood out to me in the NBA scrimmages. First, I'm starting out with Bowl Bowl. Everybody has heard about what Bowl Bowl did in the scrimmages, but I just want to talk about it. The way he moves his fluidity for a 7-2 player is something I've never seen. I don't think anybody in the NBA has ever seen his wingspan of 7-9 just allows him to be a beast at blocking shots he blocked multiple three-pointers that it looked like he had no business blocking but because of that incredible size and length he was able to and his confidence in his three-point shooting is something that really stands out to me too on one play he blocks a shot off the backboard and dribbles and hits the pull-up three so b- him being 7-2 with a 7-9 wingspan, but having the confidence to shoot threes at any moment is really good. And his shot, while his shot's a little bit awkward, it doesn't seem to be a problem as he's been smoothly getting into mid-range and three-point shots. And even though the percentage may not look great, the confidence he has and the fluidity of his sh- shooting makes me really believe in him as a really good shooter in the future and he definitely has some issues he needs to put on weight very badly because he's super frail and that could really hurt him in multiple ways with his rebounding which will struggle he could get bodied by bigger players who are grown more into an NBA body and then he will have a lot of injury issues if he doesn't put on weight but I'm still really excited for him, and I think the Nuggets will be great in the future. So going on to another Nuggets player, I'm talking about Michael Porter Jr. He looked really good in the one game he played. He scored 19 points, and he kind of reminded us that he's still a big part of this team, even though Bol Bol has been the face of what's going on in these scrimmages for them. He looked really good just doing Michael Porter Jr. type things, shooting mid-range jump shots, Uh, shooting threes and just looking very good but I just think their team is super interesting especially going into this offseason with Mason Plumlee uh, Paul Millsap and Jeremy Grant all being free agents it'll be really interesting to see what direction they go in whether to believe in their young guys or still keep the vets and kind of not take as much big a risk or if they maybe sign like one player maybe if they sign Jeremy Grant and start giving players like Bol Bol and like Michael Porter Jr. some more opportunity and showing what they really got because I think if they can all hit their ceiling which is rare they could be such a scary team because Michael Porter Jr. could be a, for me at least I think he can be a 25 per game type score just with his fluidity he's a really good cutter He's such. He's so confident as a shooter. His ability to just pull up at any time is really impressive, and he has such a high ceiling for them. 
So two more players just to know for me was J.R. Smith and Dion Waiters. J.R. just looked good doing J.R. Smith type things, hitting threes, doing goofy celebrations after. And if he keeps just hitting his threes and playing solid enough defense, he can be a good piece for the Lakers. And Dion Waiters looked really good for the Lakers, bringing them some really needed uh, shot creation and uh, ball handling outside of LeBron. So whenever LeBron's off the court, J- uh, JR and Dion can just bring them some offense that is needed because they could sometimes be very stagnant when LeBron's not on the court. And while in the playoffs and a heated series, he may be playing like 40 minutes a game. Those eight minutes can be the difference of then losing to the Clippers or making it to the finals and potentially winning. So they can be very key players with uh, Rondo being injured. And even though he has struggled and he's been a net negative for them this year, he still has good ball handling ability and just brings them something at, uh, different. And then Avery Bradley being out does really hurt them because even though he was very inconsistent on the offensive end, he his defense and just his relentlessness, he's kind of like Patrick Beverly, but not as loud. But he will guard you full court and just tire you out. And even though that may not stand out in the sh- stat sheet, when you're watching the game, just seeing him tire out players, like if they were in a series with the Nuggets, He's going to be on Jamal Murray full court, making it super difficult for them. Oh, Something else that stood out for, for me was Ben Simmons playing power forward. I really like this move because he still plays like the point guard role where he's the main facilitator and he's the main ball handler. But having Shake Milton out there brings them some three-point shooting that's really needed. Because even though Ben Simmons did take th- two threes and he made one of them, I don't think it'll be a super reliable thing, but as long as he has the confidence to take the shot, that's really what matters. For me, it's not if it's going in. If he's even shooting like 25%, but he's taking like two a game, and as long as he's a threat out there and they're not standing in the paint, I would really like that and think that can make them such more dynamic team. And him being at power forward really just adds a whole new whole new thing to them because even though i am a big fan of al horford especially when he was on the celtics he was great for us but him being a power forward in the modern nba just doesn't work with his lack of foot speed and even though he's a good shooter for a center he's an average to below average for a four and he's also regressed a lot this year just not being the same player and this environment just doesn't fit him So having Ben Simmons bring them some more athleticism, some more speed, and maybe some more three-point shooting will be very interesting. Andre Roberson also stood out for me a lot, not because he put up incredible stats or anything, but he hadn't played basketball for 30 months. After he ruptured his patella tendon in 2018, he just constantly got uh, setbacks and every time it seemed like he was going to come back for whatever reason, he just wouldn't come back. But he seemed to have improved his three-point shooting, as I'd hope he would in that amount of time to come back. And if he can even become slightly above a league average shooter for them, he can be super deadly for them, as they do have a bit of a hole at that three, even though I like Luke Wentz's door. 
And Danilo Garamari is great, but he's more of a four in the modern NBA. So if he can be uh, three for them, just slide in there, stand in the corner, maybe hit a three a game, uh, cut well, play good in the open court. And obviously, you know what Andre Robertson brings on the defensive end. He's always been a great defender. So as long as he hasn't lost that athleticism, he should still be a great defender. Another player who stood out to me was Jonathan Isaac. He only played seven minutes because he had a knee injury that was originally going to keep him out for the whole season, but this extra time has allowed him to recover. He looked amazing in those seven minutes. He was hitting pull-up shots and doing stuff that I don't expect him to do in a normal game. And But just having the confidence for him to shoot those shots was a really good sign because he's already elite on the defensive end. He's a true NBA unicorn with his uh, defensive instincts, his length, and his athleticism. He really stands out, and he's just such a unique player. So as long as he's healthy and he can continue to slowly grow in his offensive game, maybe he doesn't ever need to become like a 20 to 22 point per game score, but if he can become a 16 to 18 per game score with defensive player of the year level defense, It'll be great for them and whatever team he ends up being on. So I really liked what I saw out of him, and I really hope he's healthy for the playoffs because he, even if the Magic will lose in like five games, whether they're playing the Raptors or the Bucks, he can be a great defender on Pascal Siakam or Giannis with his incredible shot blocking and his ability to get steals and then his just smart uh play every play on defense he plays super hard and he really stands out he can average two and a half blocks and one and a half steals which is something very few players can do so i think he has a Giannis type impact on defense and maybe even a little bit better now i'm going to move on to predicting every team's record so first starting out with the lakers they're currently 49 and 14 and i have them going six and two uh, finishing at 55 and 16. I have them losing to the Clippers on opening night, which will be tomorrow, which is the most exciting thing. I'm so happy that NBA basketball is finally back officially. The scrimmages were nice and fun to see, but now that real games are back, it's super exciting. But I have them just losing just because I just think the Clippers are a better team, even though they haven't looked great in the scrimmages. I'm a huge believer in Kawhi. I think he's the best player in the world. I'm not trying to argue about that because I think there's a fair argument to make for when LeBron, obviously, Kawhi, and a healthy KD. And then if Giannis shows up in the playoffs, you can easily make that argument because he's been the best player in the regular season for two years now. And then I also have them losing to the Rockets. I It's hard to kind of give a reason, but I just think the Rockets' play style is so opposite of the Lakers that it's... A really difficult game to predict where it can go either way where the Lakers size can just beat them up and if they're tired from uh, having to guard those bigger players with them being such a small team the Lakers could destroy them but if the Rockets are hitting their threes and playing good enough defense on Anthony Davis which I believe Robert Covington can do even though he is smaller than Anthony Davis he's been phenomenal on defense for them and It'll be a very interesting matchup and something I'll really want to see. Okay, moving on to the Clippers. I have them 
uh, finishing at 51 and 21. They are currently 44 and 20. I've been going seven and one. Their schedule isn't very hard, but uh, they just are a great team. Like the depth they have, with also the star power of Kawhi and Paul George, the grittiness of players like Patrick Beverly, and then the ability to get hot with players like Marcus Morris just stands out so much and they've built such a great team where even though their interior defense may not be great i think they're going to do phenomenal in this bubble and i have them as my nba champions as long as there's no injuries or um, positive tests for covid obviously this is a different year so really anybody can win because there's such odd circumstances right here but right now, I have the Clippers going all the way. All right, on to the Nuggets. They're currently 43-22, and 22, and I have them finishing at 48-25. and 25. They have a pretty difficult uh, schedule playing teams like the Clippers, like the Lakers, like the Raptors, and the Jazz, and the Thunder, the Heat. They have a very difficult schedule, but I do believe in their team. Even though I don't necessarily believe in them to go super far in the playoffs, I think they'll be a very hard team to beat just because they're such a solid team with a lot of depth. And I love Nikola Jokic. I think he's one of like the eight or nine best players in the league. He's just such a unique player that I've really never seen. His ability to pass, and even though his three-point percentages uh, haven't been very good these past two years, I still trust him out there. And last year in the playoffs, he really stepped up and looked great for them and almost won them the series against the Trailblazers, which would have brought them to the Western Conference Finals. And I think they could have put up uh, a lot better of a fight than the Trailblazers did against the Warriors. All right, moving on to the Thunder. One of the biggest surprises in the entire NBA for me, they just looked so good this year. I want to give a huge shout-out to Chris Paul for having such a great bounce-back season and being like one of the 15 or so best players in the NBA. He was just phenomenal this season. Shea Gilgis-Alexander took a huge step. Dennis Schroeder has been great off the bench for them. He's my per personal sixth man of the year. Danilo Gallinari has been extremely efficient for them. And he just seems like a player who, no matter what team he's on, he's always going to impact and help that team win. And Steven Adams does Steven Adams things, setting hard screens, playing tough, boxing out well, finishing around the rim. And he's actually shown some th uh, confidence in his three-point shooting in the bubble. So that'll be interesting to see if that transfers over to the playoffs or if that was just like a one-time thing in the scrimmages. But I, they did very well for themselves this season and really beat my expectations. I never thought they were going to be one of the worst teams in the league unless they fully bottomed out and traded everybody. I thought they would have been maybe a 10th or 11th seed but they really beat my expectations, and shout out to them. They've done a great job this season. All right, moving on to the Rockets, they're currently 40-24. and 24. I have them finishing with a record of 45-27. and 27. Their small ball experiment is one of the most interesting things I've ever seen in the NBA. Just not having a reliable center, even though they have Tyson Chandler on the roster, he's dirt old. So having their best, uh, their tallest player who really plays being like 6'9", is so fascinating to me, and I think this is really a break, a make-or-break season for them with Mike D'Antoni being on a one-year contract, and 
it'll be really telling to see if they're going to go full in on the small ball and keep that going next year or go back to having a traditional center like Clint Capella. But I think this could really hurt them in the playoffs because their lack of size uh, has made it really hard for them on the defensive glass. And then having players like Robert Covington and P.J. Tucker, even though they try their hardest, and Robert Covington as I stated earlier, has been really good for them and has been showing an incredible shot-blocking ability. I think after a certain point, they're just going to get too tired to defend those big bodies and have to constantly deal with the beating of such heavier and taller players. But also their ability to hit threes and their ability to outrun teams in transition could prove me wrong. And in my opinion... Maybe them or the 76ers are the biggest wild card in the entire playoffs for me. All right, moving on to the Jazz. They're currently 41 and 23, and I have them finishing 45 and 27. They're a solid team, but the loss of Bojan Bogdanovic will really hurt them, in my opinion, as he's been a consistent 20 point scorer for them. He's hit big shots for them, and overall, he's just been great. He's been super efficient. And he's really worth that contract they gave to him. But the wrist injury that is taking him out is really going to hurt them. As now they have Royce O'Neal starting, who I like, but I think is more of a bench player. And Joe Ingles has been alright this season, but he hasn't been great. Mike Conley has been so disappointing. When they made that trade for him, I thought they were going to do great things. Because Mike Conley was so good for the Grizzlies last year. Being like a around a 21-point score, averaging 7 assists, shooting good from the 3, from the field. But he just took a huge step back this year. And I don't think any of us could have really expected it. But here, we're, here we are, and he's just been disappointing the entire year. So I can't believe in him to be better than he was when he's been so disappointing all year. But if he is the old Mike Conley or literally anything close, he'll be super nice for them as it's really hard for Donovan Mitchell to have such an offensive load, especially now that Bojan, uh, Bojan is out. So if Mike Conley could step up for them, I think they could be better than I'm expecting, but I do not expect him to step up. So I have them probably losing in the first round again, which is tough, but... They have a good team, but Donovan Mitchell as your number one option and then not really having a great shot creator outside of him really hurts. And then obviously the Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert dynamic is interesting considering all that, the whirlwind that happened. So it'll be interesting to see how they come back. And moving on to the Mavericks, they're currently 40 and 27, and I have them going 46 and uh, 29. I really do believe in this Mavericks team, not necessarily for this year, because they may have to face a team like the Clippers, and I think the Clippers almost perfectly match up with them because they have Paul George and Kawhi and Marcus Morris, players like that who can guard Luka, and even though he's my favorite player, the one time they did play him, they gave him a world of trouble, and that is a scary matchup for them, but I think they're a really good team. They've had one of the greatest offenses in NBA history, which I would have never expected, but the Mavericks have built such a good team around Luka, getting guys like Maxi Kleber, who I really like, Seth Curry, obviously Chris Stapps, Dwight Powell before he was injured, Dorian Finney-Smith has played really well with them. They just have so many shooters, 
and players who just fit into their role. Tim Hardaway Jr. has had a much better season. He's been a lot more efficient as he's always kind of a microwave player, and I guess this whole season he's just been hot. So I think they're going to do well in the bubble, and they'll give play teams some challenges, but I don't necessarily see them uh, getting out of the first round unless they can avoid the Clippers. All right, moving on to the Grizzlies, one of my favorite teams this season. They really surprised me a lot. Even though I really liked their core players, I did not expect them to be so good so quickly. And John Morant has really shown some poise and some confidence that is just outstanding for a rookie point guard. Because that's, in my opinion, the hardest play, uh, position to transfer into in the entire NBA. We saw players like Trey Young, who is ultra-talented, struggle a ton in his rookie season. At the beginning, he started to pick things up a lot later. But from the get-go, John Morant was just phenomenal for the Grizzlies, showing such confidence and swagger that it's just so rare. And he's been a great facilitator for them. He's been a good scorer. His three-point shooting, while he does shoot a very small percentage of them, he's shot good when he shoots them. And he's just a highlight machine. Jaron Jackson Jr. is one of my favorite players in the entire league. His ability to shoot as a seven footer is ridiculous and then he can basically guard one through five in my opinion he's so quick but he also is such a good shot blocker with his length that in my opinion he will go down as one of the better defensive players to ever play the game as long as he can figure out his one big issue which is fouling he fouls a lot which really limits the amount of minutes he can play which sucks because you want a player that good to be on the floor for most of the game but his fouling issue just doesn't allow him to a lot of the times and then brandon clark was an absolute steal for them he's a great shot blocker great defender overall very good finisher his floater game is incredible and he's been a solid three-point shooter even though he doesn't shoot many and then dylan brooks has also looked really good for them so that core four just really makes me believe in them i really like their coach taylor jenkins and they've been making all the right moves to be one of the best teams of the 2020s so shout out to the grizzlies they've really outperformed my expectations and have looked great this season now moving on to the pelicans they're uh, currently 28 and 36 and i have them finishing 34 and 38 as they have one of the most favorable schedules in the entire league which made a lot of people very angry, which I do understand, but they did have an easier schedule when we were going to finish the season. But the Pelicans are a super fun team. Obviously, Zion has looked amazing when he's came back, and I truly believe that sooner rather than later, he's going to be around a top 15 player, maybe by next season, which is scary that a guy that young, he I don't think he'll be as good as Luca, and he won't take as big of a jump but he'll definitely be up there as long as he figure things out because he hasn't really figured things out and he's already a 24 point per game score 24 point per game score he has struggled on the defensive end but on offense he's been just such a beast his ability to cut he's been an amazing lob target for Lonzo. Lonzo catches him all the time with just phenomenal half court lobs 
and his ability to get offensive rebounds, cut, and as he continues to develop a three-point shot, that could be something he has to his game. And even though I don't think he'll ever need to be a great three-point shooter, he'll definitely need to develop a respectable three-point shooter to be as good as we all hope he can be. Uh, his ability to get to the free throw line and just do all the little things really well is really impressive for such a young player. And Brandon Ingram has t took a huge step. I'm really torn between having Brandon Ingram or Bam Adebayo as my most improved player because Brandon Ingram was always a bucket and he really never got the opportunity. But the thing that has stood out for me for Brandon Ingram is his improved ability to become a closer and his three-point shooting has absolutely came out of nowhere for me where he was a below-average three-point shooter and he became nearly, I'd say, a knockdown three-point shooter. So I really hope that isn't a fluke and he could keep that up because this Pelicans team will be so dynamic. He'll get a big contract in the offseason. Uh, Lonzo Ball has also looked great for them. I've always been someone who supported Lonzo because I think he got a lot of unnecessary hate, and I do feel bad for him, the expectations that were put on him because of LeVar. But his three-point shooting has took a huge step this season. His defense has always been great. His rebounding is great, and his passing is just so special his ability to throw those half court lobs to zion are something that is so unique so shout out to the pelicans i think they're going to be a great team in the future and i think they could be one of those teams that takes a big step next year in a loaded western conference all right moving on to the spurs they're uh 27 and 36 currently and i have them finishing 27 and 44 i I just don't believe in this team at all, to be totally honest. I don't have them winning a single game because uh, LaMarcus Aldridge is out, and they just haven't adapted to the modern NBA. They've been so good for such a long time, but this year their playoff streak is going to be over. It just is what it is, and I really think they need to choose the direction of going fully into a rebuild building around guys like DeJounte Murray, like Lonnie Walker, and players like that. Because right now, they're just in limbo, and that's the place you never want to be as an NBA team. You never want to be like the teams that's consi consistently like a 10th to a 7th seed. And with LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan, they're going to be stuck around there for a while. So they just need to get rid of those two players and honestly get any value they can. I don't think either of them... Are super valuable asset due to their age and due to DeMar DeRozan's contract situation but they need to get rid of them and they could go in a good direction because I do like some of the young players they have on their team but they need to fully go in the young direction I think it's almost time for Greg Popovich to retire so I think they just need to go in a whole new direction and make a whole different team Get rid of players like Rudy Gay, who will have some value to a better team, and fully go in on the young guys. Alright, moving on to the Suns. They're currently 26 and 39, and I have them finishing 27 and 46. They're a team that honestly I just don't think should really be there. Because they really don't have much of a chance at all to make the playoffs. Even though I do think this will be a nice opportunity for guys like Mikhail Bridges. Guys like DeAndre Ayton to get some more playing time because Mikhail Bridges is someone who I think will be really good just because of his ability to play defense and 
even though he has struggled a little bit as a three-point shooter, I do think he can be a good three-point shooter one day, and he'll be an elite 3-and-D guy. And then DeAndre Ayton had the suspension this year, but he looked really good when he came back. He's an improved defender, and he's just a great post player, and he has shown some potential in these scrimmage games to hit threes, which would really make him a deadly player and make him a lot better. But at this point, I don't really think there's much purpose in talking about the Suns, but it is what it is. They're they're just kind of here for now. Alright, moving on to the Kings. The Kings are currently 28 and 36. I've been finishing at 30 and 42. And they were really on a streak to end the year, so this has been one of the things where uh, they've been one of the teams that kind of got screwed because of this. They really, in my opinion, they looked like they were on the right path to take that eighth seed. And they were just really disappointing this year. Marvin Bagley, while being a very talented player, has been super disappointing just because he can't stay on the floor. And Luke Walton, I just don't think deserves to be an NBA head coach. Maybe he can be an assistant. He could be a college coach. But he is just not good enough to be an NBA coach, simply. This team was good last year by having such a fast-paced team running up and down the court. And he completely ruined that by making them slow and getting rid of De'Aaron Fox's, their franchise player, best ability, which is to run up and down the court, be in the fast break. And he just took that away. And Buddy Heald has had some issues with them this year. His three-point shooting has been a little disappointing. He's only shooting like 36%, even though he's taking 10 a game. So I do understand it. And he's been frustrated with them having him as a six-man behind Bo- uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich. So they have to figure out what they're doing there because Bogdan is a free agent this year. And there's been a lot of rumbles about Buddy Heald being traded. So it'll be interesting to see what they do this offseason. It'll be interesting to see if uh, players like Marvin Bagley can finally be healthy. And players like Harry Giles, who I believe in a lot, could be healthy and be a good player for them. So they got something to look forward to, but it's been a bit of a mad, dysfunctional season. Kind of just what you expect out of the Kings. Alright, moving on to the Trailblazers. They're currently 29-37, and 37, and I have them finishing with a record of 31-43. and 43. They're a solid team, but the issue, the really big issue with them is their lack of wing depth. They have a huge struggle at the wing, and... They're just super undersized, especially now that Trevor Rees is not going. He's having some family issues, so he's not going to the bubble. Good luck with him. But it's just been a really disappointing year, and I don't really blame it much on them because players who were having good seasons like Rodney Hood have been injured. Yusuf Nurkic has been injured. And even though statistically Hassan Whiteside has been good, I'm an anti-Hassan Whiteside guy. I don't think he really helps you win much at all. So... Them having him instead of Nurkic, I just don't think it's productive to winning. Even though if you look at the stats, it may look like he's much better. I think Nurkic is a way better player. And Zach Collins has been injured. But now they do have some money off the books with Hassan Whiteside's big expiring contract. So hopefully they can get some wings who could help them be a good, a much better team next year. Because while Damian Lillard has been phenomenal for them this season, it's hard to carry a team that's so incomplete like theirs. All right, I'm going to take a water break, and I'll be right back with the Eastern Conference predictions. 
Okay, we are back, everybody, and I will start off with my prediction for the Bucks. I have them finishing with a record of 59 and 14. That would mean they went six and two in these bubble games. I have them losing to the Grizzlies at the end just because they already have the one seed secured, so I think they may rest that game. But they're just a phenomenal team. Giannis has had one of the greatest individual seasons ever, which may sound like a bold statement, but with him only playing around 30 minutes a game, but him being an MVP and Defensive Player of the Year type player is ridiculous. And if he could take home those awards and potentially win a finals, which I don't believe in them to do, but if he could, this would go down as one of the greatest seasons ever. But their issues are, I do not believe in Eric Bledsoe at all. He was absolutely horrendous in last year's playoffs. Against the Raptors, I think he shot 29% from the field and 17% from three. And he's built up a very bad reputation as a playoff choker. And while I think Chris Middleton is a great second option, and he's had such a good season, almost uh, scoring 20 points on 50-40-90, which very few players have ever done, I don't think he brings them the necessary shot creation. He isn't necessarily a bad shot creator. And if they had a third player... Like, if Eric Bledsoe could be a better shot creator and wasn't a playoff choker, I would believe in them a lot more. But I don't necessarily believe in them to uh, win the finals or maybe even make the finals because there are definitely a lot of good Eastern Conference teams that can put up a good battle. One of those teams is the Toronto Raptors. They're currently 46-18, and 18, and I have them going 51-21. and 21. They have a very, very hard schedule facing the Lakers, Heat, Magic, Celtics, Grizzlies, Bucks, 76ers, and Nuggets. But they've been a great team all season. They've really outperformed my expectations, especially with all the injuries they've had to deal with, like players, uh, with players like Marcus Saul. But a lot of players have taken a huge step up. Terrence Davis has been really good for them. Uh, Chris Boucher has been another really good player for them just off the bench giving them some nice energy and they're just next man up mentality something i really admire and their ability to just take players who like nobody knew about and make them good nba players is so impressive to me nick nurse is my coach of the year he's done such a good job his defensive schemes are just insane and with him having the personnel like with players like og Ananobi, uh kyle lowry pascal siakam fred van vliet even though he is a smaller guard tries really hard on that end with him having that personnel just makes them such an elite defensive team and i think they can be a big threat to teams like the bucks and if it comes down to a series where it's like celtics versus raptors that's a super hard series for both teams. Moving on to my Boston Celtics. Uh, they're currently 43-21, and 21, and I have them finishing 50-22. and 22. I think they're going to do great in this uh, eight-game stretch. They do have a favorable schedule. I will uh, recognize that because they are facing teams like the Magic, the Grizzlies, the Wizards, the Nets, and the Trailblazers. But... I do think they'll do really well during this. A big test for me will be them against the Raptors. 
and that could because that could be a second round matchup for them and that's going to be a bloodbath if those teams go against each other because they both match up pretty well and while a lot of play, uh, people say the biggest issue for the Celtics is the big man position which I can understand because Daniel Tice is undersized at only around 6'9", but he's been really good for them this year, bringing them a lot of uh, great shot blocking. He has, he could stretch the floor a little bit. It's nothing crazy, but for a center, it's solid. And he's just been really good for them, but I think their biggest issue is their lack of depth. Having players like Brad Wanamaker and Semi Ojale playing playoff minutes is just rough. And they have, they may have to rely on younger players like Grant Williams and Romeo Langford to step up, which is definitely scary and could be a big issue for them going into the playoffs. But I think they'll do very well, and I have them making the Eastern Conference Finals. Okay, moving on to the Heat, they're currently uh, forty-one and twenty-seven, and I have them finishing with a record of forty-six and twenty-seven. I'm uh, gonna say forty-one and twenty-four, but by the way. They are a really good team who is outperformed by expectations a lot. They are just super well-rounded. Bam Adebayo has been phenomenal this season. He's taken a huge step for them in with the loss of uh, Hassan Whiteside. His defensive versatility is something so unique. And his ability to dribble and pass is just incredible. And it blows my mind how much he's improved. And I really think all along they just should have gone with him. But Hassan Whiteside had zero trade value, and he's really showing himself now. I'm a huge Tyler Hero fan, even though he does get a lot of hate. I just like his confidence as such a young player. Like in that game uh, against the 76ers, where it's a very close game, they stole the ball. He takes it out to the three-point line and makes a sh super clutch shot. Those type of plays just really stand out for me with someone being that young. Kendrick Nunn has been a huge surprise. Duncan Robinson is one of the best shooters in the entire league. And I think he'll get a big contract because literally any team could use a Duncan Robinson type player. So I think they'll be very good. And if they face the Bucks in the second round, I think they could bring a ton of trouble to them because they've done very well every time they've played the Bucks. And Bam Adebayo is one of the the only players who I really think can guard Giannis pretty well. Alright, moving on to the Philadelphia 76ers. They're currently 39 and 26, and I have them going 45 and 28. I think they're gonna do really well in these eight games because I just think with them being able to get healthy, Ben and Embiid both got to rest for a long time they're just going to be a dangerous team i love the switch to ben simmons at power forward and i think they're going to move up in the in the seating and if there's a series with the heat and the 76ers that is going to be a series to watch because those teams every game they've played has been a nail biter it's been super close all the storylines with uh Jimmy Butler leaving the 76ers and a ton of people were saying like, oh, enjoy your eighth seed. And now them having a better record than the 76ers. And then if they could beat them, that would just be crazy. So I would love to see that series so much. And I think it would be an absolute blast. And I think that may be one of the best playoff series in the entire playoffs if it ends up happening, which I do think it will. 
because I think they're going to have a great eight-game stretch. And going on to the next team, the Pacers, well, I think they're going to move down in the standings. They're currently 39-26. Uh, and 26. I have them only going 42-31. and 31. They have a very, very tough schedule. They're facing the 76ers. They're facing the Lakers, the Heat, the Rockets, and the Heat again. And while they've been a good team all season, my big issue is that DeMontis Sabonis, while it hasn't been confirmed if he's going to be out for the entire time, it said he suffered a significant foot injury. So I'm just going to assume he's going to be out for those eight games. And he's been their best player all season with the absence of Victor Oladipo. And while I do think Victor Oladipo is going to have a bounce back eight games and playoffs, I don't know if he will be good enough to uh, make up for the void of DeMontis Savonis because he's been a beast on the rebounds. He's shown a ton of great passing for them, and he's been a great scorer overall. So the loss of that is really going to hurt them. It's going to make everything super difficult for them. All right, going on to the Magic, they're currently 30 and uh, 35. I have them going 32 and 41. This is a team that I don't really care about that much. They're kind of one of the more boring teams to me where they're just very average. They're super just all right. Like, Nikola Vucevic has been good, but I would much rather see them have Mo Bamba move into that starting lineup and take over that spot because if he does, and if he does do that next year, I have him as one of my most improved player candidates. I just really believe in his defensive ability to be a Rudy Gobert-type player, but be even lighter on his feet. He put on a ton of muscle during quarantine, so if he keeps adding on muscle during the offseason, I just think he'll be a really good player. He'll be super dangerous, especially with the three-point shooting ability. And if they have the front court of Jonathan Isaac and Mo Bamba and each of the, those players hit close to their potential, that's going to be one of the best uh, front courts the league has to offer at least defensively and I'm just interested to see what direction they go into because they were just so average this season that I don't know if they're going to keep holding on to this will be a fringe playoff uh, team type feel or if they're going to go all in on their young guys and trade Vucevic which I hope they do I hope they trade Vucevic trade players like Terrence Ross because even though those are good players I think they'd just be much more valuable on other teams where they could make a bigger impact on winning. Uh, moving on to the Nets, they're uh, currently 30 and four, 34, and I have them going 31 and 41. This team is just missing almost every one of their good players except for Karis LeVert, so it's a tough situation for them. I don't really see them making any noise at all, really doing anything. I only have them beating the Wizards. And the Wizards are the Wizards without Bradley Beal and Davis Bertans. So I think this is going to be very rough for them. But they have a ton to look forward to next year. All their players who aren't there right now will be back. Players like Spencer Dinwiddie, DeAndre Jordan. And obviously their superstars, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant will be back. I'm super interested to see how Kevin Durant will be off the Achilles injury. Because that is one of the worst injuries in sports. But I do believe in Kevin Durant. And... I think he could have an MVP-type season next year. And even though Kyrie's knees and stuff like that do scare me, as that has been a recurring issue, when he is on the court, 
he's one of the best offensive players I've ever seen. Just his ability to score on from anywhere in the court and his ability to shoot, dribble, hit the mid-range, hit the threes, incredible finishing ability is amazing. So it'll be interesting next year, but this year is kind of a wash. I'll be interested to see what they really do because they do have a big hole at that four spot. So I'm interested to see if they're going to go after any players in free agency. There's been Bradley Beal rumors, so that'll be interesting if they're going to go in all in on a third star or keep players like Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert and have more depth but not as much star power. It's going to be super interesting. All right, moving on to the Wizards. This is going to be a quick summary. I have them losing every single game, which would make them 24 and 48. This team is just not good. They were not very good with Bradley Beal so, and Bergtans. So now that they don't have either of them, it's going to be rough to watch them. But this could be a good opportunity for some younger players or some players who are a bit more unproven. Some players like Troy Brown Jr., players like that, uh, Mo Wagner. They could have some opportunity to do some things that are unexpected, but I don't see them going anywhere. Even though I'm very interested to see what a healthy John Wall would bring them, because he is a player who relied a lot on his athleticism. So having so many lower body injuries is very scary, but maybe during this time he's developed into a more skillful basketball player. And I think a John Wall, even at like 75%, this team could be, could be an ace seed type team next year because Bradley Beal is one of the best scorers in the league. If they re-sign Davis Bertans, they got an absolute just sniper from outside. He's an amazing three-point shooter. His range is ridiculous. Thomas Bryant is a solid starting center, and they also have a high draft pick. They have a couple players who I'm interested in. Like I said earlier, Troy Brown Jr., I'm very interested in so it'll be interesting to see what they do next season. I think they'll take a step with John Wall as long as he stays healthy. And I just miss seeing John Wall on the court, so I'm super excited for him to be back. All right, moving on to my playoff seeding predictions. So first, starting out with the Western Conference, at the number one seed, we got the Lakers, two seed Clippers, three seed Nuggets, four seed Thunder, five seed Rockets, six seed Jazz, seven seed Mad Mavericks, eight seed Grizzlies, Ninth seed Pelicans, and while that may seem like they're not making the playoffs, they will have the chance to do in the play the play in because they are within four games of the playoffs. They're only one game out. At the tenth seed, we got the Trailblazers, eleventh Kings, twelfth Spurs, and thirteenth Suns. Going on to the East, we got number one seed Bucks, number two seed Raptors, number three seed Celtics, number four seed Heat. Number 5 seed 76ers, number 6 seed Pacers, number 7 seed Magic, number 8 seed Nets, and number 9 seed Wizards. Now, going on to my playoff predictions. Alright, so, I got the Lakers beating, I think it'll still be the Grizzlies, because the Grizzlies only have to want, win one game in the play-in, and the Pelicans would have to win two. And then, going down to the second versus seventh matchup, I have the, oh, and by the way, I think the Lakers will beat the Grizzlies in either four or five games. I do think they could uh, bring them a little bit of a challenge, but at the end of the day, the Lakers have two of the top five to like seven players in the league, so they're going to be a super difficult team to beat, especially with such a young roster. Now moving on to the Clippers versus Mavericks. 
This is an interesting one, but I have the Clippers winning in five or six games. Like I said earlier, the Mavericks could be given a lot of problems with their wing defenders. And if Luka struggles, their whole team's going to struggle because they rely on him a lot to give them offense. And I just think the Clippers are too good, simply. Uh, moving on, we got Nuggets versus Jazz. I do like the series, and the series is very interesting. Uh, I got the Nuggets winning in, I'd say, six games. I just think the Nuggets are a more well-rounded team, especially with Bo- uh, Bojan Bogdanovic going down. I've said this multiple times, but I just really think that's going to hurt them. And even though Rudy Gobert has done a pretty good job of defending Jokic, I just think the Nuggets' depth and overall uh, ability to score is just going to overpower the Jazz. Okay, now moving on. One of my favorite playoff series out of this entire thing. We got Thunder versus Rockets. Just all the storylines going into this with James Harden and Russell Westbrook being uh, former Thunder players. Uh, Russell Westbrook and Chris Paul being traded with each other. The Rockets small ball the Thunder three-guard lineup, the Thunder overachieving, the Rockets' hectic uh, style of play where they can shoot almost 53s a game. It's just such an interesting series, and it's one of the hardest for me to choose. I have the Rockets winning in seven games. I think it's going to be such a closely contested series, and if this does happen, this will be a blast to watch. But even if the Thunder do lose in this first round, they're still in a phenomenal position as they have so many draft picks uh, over the next like 10 years. So no matter what, they're set up great and they still have assets. So no matter what, the Thunder overachieved this year and did a great job. All right, going on to the East, I have the Bucks beating the Nets in four games. Enough said there. It's really no competition. Going on to the Raptors versus the Magic. I have the Raptors beating the Magic, I'll say in five games. I think the Magic could seal one just because of their defensive presence. But the Raptors are a really good team, so I don't really see it being too much of a challenge for them. But they could get one game stolen from them, so either four or five for me. All right, now moving on to the Celtics versus Pacers. Uh, I got the Celtics winning pretty easily there because especially, again, as long as DeMontis Sabonis is not playing, which I'm assuming for now, obviously we'll get an uh, update on that, and it'll be interesting to see if he's playing or not. But as long as he's not playing, even though I like Miles Turner, I think he's a really good player, he's not going to take advantage of Daniel Tice at all. And I think the Celtics will win in either five or six games. Because even though the Pacers are a very well-rounded team with Malcolm Brogdon, if Victor Oladipo is back to himself, or even a little bit of himself, he's still a very good player. TJ Warren, Miles Turner, and they just got a good team. Justin Holiday, Aaron Holiday. I like the, both of those two off the bench. But I just don't see them giving the Celtics too much of a challenge. All right, now moving on. Another. These 4-5 series are always such a fun matchup almost every year. And we got Heat versus 76ers. Now, this is super, super, super tough for me. Another series with a ton of uh, narratives and headlines going into it. But I have the Heat winning, I'd say, in seven games. 
again, this will be just like the Thunder vs. Rockets if this does happen, where it's going to be heavily contested, and e I could easily see either team win, but the uh, 76ers, just inconsistency, and Joel Embiid's moments in the playoffs, and then him being guarded by Bam Adebayo, who's such a good defender, I just think that the Heat will win, but it'll be super close. I think the Heat's shooting will give the 76ers some problems, but it'll be a great series, and I could see either team winning, and they'll give either team they're playing a super hard problem in the second round. All right, now moving on, we got Lakers versus Rockets. I have the Lakers winning in, I'd say, six games. It's going to be a super interesting series because they're almost polar opposites. The Lakers do a lot of two big men lineup lineups with Anthony Davis and JaVale McGee or Anthony Davis and Dwight Howard. So it'll be super interesting to see how those small guys will be able to hold up against it. And I think the Rockets will be able to steal one or two games just because they'll, be, they'll have a night where they're shooting very well from three and shooting like 45 of them. And if they shoot 45 threes and shoot around like 38% or 40%, they're going to win that game. But in my opinion, it'll be a pretty easy series for the Lakers, and I'd bet a lot of money they're winning that. All right, now moving on, we got Clippers versus Nuggets. In my opinion, I got the Clippers winning in five or six games. Like, I do think... Uh, Nikola Jokic will give the Clippers big some problems as Zubak is a solid defender but he's nothing special and he only plays like 17 minutes and then uh, Montrose Harrell isn't a very good defender even though he gives good energy but I just think the Clippers again are too good I just think uh, having two of the three best players in the series just helps them win that easily because Kawhi Leonard is so amazing, and while Paul George has got a bad rap and has had some bad performances, I do think he'll step up this playoffs, especially with him having a lot of pressure to do well, because the Clippers have a ton of expectations, and I do think they'll live up to those. Alright, now moving on, we got Bucks versus Heat. Now this is a super interesting series, even though it's a 1-4 and the Bucks on paper, just by record, look like they should beat the Heat kind of easily. The Heat just match up so well to the Bucks, So I have the Bucks winning in six or seven games. The Heat have outplayed them in the regular season matchup, and I think Bam Adebayo and will give them a ton of problems, especially Giannis. Uh, and then having Jimmy Butler on Chris Middleton is a great matchup. Having Eric Spolstra all at the helm, who's consistently proven to be one of the best coaches in the entire league. It'll make it tough on the Bucks, that's for sure. But I just think they're just a better team. Brooke Lopez has been great this year. Giannis is obviously Giannis. Chris Middleton has been great. Dante DiVincenzo has been really good. And I just think they're a better team. But that'll be a super entertaining series. And that'll be must-see TV. Alright, moving on, another amazing series, Raptors vs. Celtics. Now, I'm trying to keep as much bias out of it as I, as I can, but I have the Celtics winning in seven games. Now, this is going to be 
a war if this happens because these are two very good teams. They're led by uh, Pascal Siakam and Jason Tatum, who I think are very equal. They're basically on the same level as players. Then the Celtics got uh, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, and Kemba Walker, who the Celtics will need to depend on a lot, and his knee injury is scary, so that could be a big deciding factor in who ends up winning the series because everything's so close. And then the Raptors got players like Mark Saul, Serge Ibaka, OG Ananobi, Kyle Lowry, and Fred VanVleet. And while I do think they have the deeper team, I think the Celtics' star power and their late-game shot creation, because that is the one thing that is uh, scary for me in the Raptors for this playoff run, is how good they'll be able to create their own shot. Because even though Pascal Siakam has shown a much better shot creation than last year it's still something where it's not just natural to him like it is a player like jason tatum and kemba walker gordon hayward is a solid shot creator and then jalen brown has got a lot better as a ball handler so i have the celtics winning in a very tough seven game series but that could easily go either way and either way i think they're going to give the bucks a good challenge in the uh, conference finals all right moving on lakers versus clippers the series everyone has been wanting to see and i've definitely been wanting to see it the entire year but i have the clippers winning in seven games now this series will be such a tough series for each team because i do think it is an issue for the clippers having to guard anthony davis but Kawhi and paul george will be able to do there's no stopping lebron but they'll be able to do a good enough job to slow him down especially having Kawhi be the main defender on them and then I just think their like offensive ability just uh outdoes the Lakers especially when it comes to shot creating because like other than LeBron and even though Anthony Davis is an amazing player he's a top seven player I don't really trust him to like create a shot for me so I got to go with the Clippers because they have multiple guys who can do that. Lou Williams, if he's hot, he's basically unguardable. Uh, and I think Kawhi Leonard is the best closer in the whole league with him being such a deadly mid-range shooter and him being a pretty solid three-point shooter as well. And I think he's just built for the moment. But that series, again, is another series who could, that could go either way and will be heavily contested. But I have the Clippers in a close seven games. All right, now moving on. We got Bucks versus Celtics in the conference finals. And even though I would love more than anything for the Celtics to beat the Bucks, and I do think they have a good chance, I got the Bucks winning, just because they don't. The Celtics don't have that Al Horford that they had last year. Who, even though the Celtics lost, but that team was so dysfunctional that that. I didn't expect them to win, but Al Horford did as good of a job nearly as you can to guard Giannis, and even though I think having Jalen Brown, having Jason Tatum, who's pretty underrated on defense, having Daniel Tice, having Gordon Hayward, just having wing, that many wings that are at least a similar size to him will help where they can just throw a bunch of different things at him, and I think Brad Stevens being such a good coach will make it tough because... Even though Mike Budenholzer is a very good coach, I think his uh, schemes are kind of simple. And sometimes they can 
get a little stagnant when the normal, like, Giannis driving to the basket and either finishing or kicking out to shooters doesn't work. Sometimes their offense can be stagnant. I have them winning in either six or seven games over the Celtics. The only, well, the way I could see the Celtics winning is as long as Kemba stays healthy and that knee doesn't act up and he's shooting well from three. And if Jason Tatum, if Jason Tatum plays like he did that last month where he was averaging almost 30 points and just killing the league, then I could definitely see the Celtics winning. But I don't know if he's ready to be the best player on a championship team. I think he's a little bit away from that. But the Celtics have a lot to look forward to and will continue to be very good and be a threat for years to come. All right, now we got Clippers versus Bucks. Now this is another just super interesting, super entertaining series. I have the Clippers winning in six games because simply they have so many big wings. It's kind of like the Celtics where they have so many big wings that they can throw at Giannis, but instead of it being very good defenders like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, it's Kawhi Leonard and Paul George who are two of the best two-way players in the entire game. And I think this is where the Bucks' lack of shot creation will really hurt them when they have two guys who are very consistently good at shot creating on the other side. And I just think they have the best player they have the best player in the series in Kawhi Leonard and that really does make a big difference. So I have Kawhi Leonard winning back-to-back finals MVPs on two different teams. All right, now guys, we're going to move on to our scouting reports. First, starting off with LaMelo Ball. LaMelo Ball is an 18-year-old, 6'7", 181-pound point guard who played for the Illawarra Hawks of Australians NBL. He averaged 17 points, 7.6 rebounds, and 6.8 assists on 37.5% from the field, 25% from three, and 72% from the line. So my strengths for LaMelo Ball. He has an elite floater game. He's a great. He has great vision. He throws passes that very few can. He's very good in the pick and roll. He's just a super smart player on offense, and he's a natural feel for the game. He's very good size and length. He's a great rebounder for a PG. He has some good craftiness around the basket. He's very cop- confident. He's been through a lot and has had a lot of pressure on him his whole life, so no matter where he goes, I think he'll do well because the bright lights won't get to him. He's a very good ball handler. Uh, he's he has very good touch. Like I said, he doesn't fear the big moments. He can impact the game without scoring. And he is very confident in shooting. His weaknesses. He is a consistent, inconsistent shooter. He has inconsistent effort or awareness on the defensive end. He doesn't get to the free throw line as much as he w- would want a point guard to. He has below average strength. And he definitely needs to get stronger and grow into that NBA type body. Uh, he has... Bl- uh, he can get out of control. He's not very explosive, and he's not a very explosive athlete. And his first step doesn't stand out. He can struggle with turnovers, and he needs to move more off the ball. His off-ball defense is very poor. Sometimes, when he doesn't have the ball in his hands, he can c- c- look kind of lazy and disin- disinterested. Uh, his jump fo- shot form is very awkward and could use some changing, like his brother. Lonzo did and he he does have one of the higher uh, bust potential potentials in the draft even though he's one of the highest ceilings in the draft as well what I rate him as a prospect I rate him as a top three prospect in the draft 
And where he fits best, I have the Knicks because he they need a point guard. He will have plenty of room to make mistakes. And he has a really nice athletic big in Mitchell Robinson who will be really good in the pick and roll with him. Uh, I also have Detroit Pistons. They need a savior. They have good shooters around him. They have players like Christian Wood, who I think would be a great weapon for him. Luke Kennard is a great shooter. And it's another place where he'll be free to make as many mistakes as he wants and be free to struggle without having a ton of pressure on him. Uh, and my comparison for him, well, I don't think this is the perfect comparison. And it's really hard to make a comparison because of his unique frame as a point guard. My comparison is Trey Young. Now, obviously, Trey Young is a much better shooter. He's much more consistent as a shooter. But that uh, floater game, the ability in the pick and roll, and just the confidence and swagger they both have do, doesn't remind me of each other. They both should move more off ball, and they're just both good in the pick and roll. So, in my opinion, that's the best prediction for him. But it, he is a unique player who has the size of a player like Sean Livingston or stuff like that, but doesn't play anything like them. All right, going on, we got Tyrese Halliburton. He's a 20-year-old, 6'5", 175 point guard out of Iowa. He averaged 15.2 points, 5.9 rebounds, and 6.5 assists per game on 50.4% from the field, 41.9% from three, and 82.2% from the free throw line. My strengths, he has good size, he's unselfish, He's uh, he has a very high basketball IQ, he's very efficient at all three levels of the game, he has a good floater game, he's a good finisher overall, he's very good in the pick and roll, he has good instincts and effort defensively, he uh, is very good at moving off the ball, he's very steady and consistent, he's NBA ready, he has good hands and is very good at getting steals, he's a very smart team defender, and he's good... Uh, He's just a very high IQ player overall, very smart, and just seems like he'll be able to transition very easily to the next level. Now, onto his weaknesses. He needs to put on muscle if he wants to truly realize his defensive potential. He's not a very good ISO scorer, and he's not great at uh, creating his own shot. He has a, a somewhat awkward shooting form, which can lead to some issues, and that's one of his issues with the shot creation. In my opinion, his ceiling isn't super high. Uh, he can lack aggressiveness sometimes. His stand, his handle is sol solid, but it doesn't stand out, which limits his ability as a shot creator. His athleticism is kind of average, and he's not like a natural bucket getter. I rate him as a prospect around the five to eight range. So, I think he'd fit very well with the Bulls because they need some playmaking. He could play off-ball while Zach Levine or, or Kobe White is creating, and he would help them defensively, and he could help them be uh, a winning team immediately, at least better than they were this season, for sure. Uh, the Hawks would also be a good fit because he'd be a very good player next to Trey. He could give them some much-needed secondary ball handling and playmaking. He would help Trey a lot on the defensive end and he would just give them another option that they really don't have right now, and that's the biggest issue for them, in my opinion. Uh, the Suns, very similar to the Bulls. He has a very good uh, two-guard next to him that could create shots for them. He could help Devin Booker on the defensive end, and they're a team that looks like they want to win right now, and he could help that. My comparison is Malcolm Brogdon. He's very similar to Malcolm Brogdon to me, with him being a very solid playmaker, uh, him being a very efficient player and then him being a bigger point guard. He is around the same frame as Malcolm Brogdon and they're both good defenders.
Okay, moving on to Killian Hayes. He's a 19-year-old, 6'5", 175-pound point guard out of German's uh, Ratio Farm UL, ULM. He averaged 12.8 points, 2, two rebounds, and 3.4 assists on 45.5% from the field, uh, 39% from three, and 90.9% from the free throw line. His strengths, he's a very he's a very smooth mid-range and three-point shot. He's a good finisher. He has an elite step back. He's a very good passer, good size. He's very good at getting to the basket. He's a great free throw shooter. He's active on defense. He can score in a variety of ways. He's a great feel for the game. He's a very good pull-up shooter. He works very well in the pick and roll. He's very uh, fluid. He, he seems a lot wise beyond his years. He's very good uh, at being creative and crafty. He can score on all three levels and he's a very modern play style his weaknesses is he needs to improve his right hand and that reliance on his left hand can make him very predictable sometimes he can be an inconsistent shooter and sometimes he'll take bad shots his explosiveness doesn't stand out sometimes uh, turnovers can be an issue and his athleticism doesn't stand out and that lack of athleticism can sometimes make him uh, struggle to get to the basket with his Lack of an elite first step. His off-ball defense could also use some improvement. Sometimes he can struggle to guard quicker players on per- the perimeter. He needs to put on some more size. Has issues with finishing through contact. Needs to move more off the ball. And could get to the free throw line more, especially with him being such an elite free throw shooter. I read him as a top five prospect. Both Detroit and New York could use him. They both need a PG. They have some pieces around him that could help him. And then they'll have the patience where if he's struggling with his shots or his turnovers my comparison is d'angelo russell but he'll be better on the defensive end than d'angelo russell now on to one of the most polarizing players for me cole anthony he's a 20 year old six foot three 190 pound point guard out of unc he averaged 18.5 points 5.7 rebounds and four assists on 38 percent from the field 34.8 percent from three and 75 percent from the line his strengths, he has the ability to hit tough pull-up jumpers. He's a good ball handler. He has a quick first step that allows him to get off, uh, get to the basket. He's a decent defender, both on and off the ball. He's a good rebounder for his size. He's solid at moving off the ball. He's very athletic. He has good footwork and balance. Uh, he has the ability to score in a variety of ways. Has a good handle. Works decent in the pick and roll. Has good lateral speed. Quick hands that allows him to get steals. And he's a pretty smart defensive player. But his weaknesses, he has a slow and clunky three-point shot. He has a tendency to take some very questionable shots. He uh, is turnover-prone and has a, a terrible assist-to-turnover ratio for a point guard. Uh, he can get out of control very easily, which leads to those turnovers. He also missed time due to a knee injury, which limited his sample size. Uh, he struggled to finish at the basket. He needs to improve his overall shooting. He hasn't showed an ability to make advanced reads yet that you need to as a point guard in the NBA. His decision-making needs to improve. He settles for difficult difficult mid-range shots too often, and he may have a rough time transitioning to the NBA. He scares me a lot that his bad habits will continue and lead him to be a bust. What I rate him as a prospect is around the, 10, the top 10 to 20th range. Uh, I'm fitting best in Washington because he won't have a ton of immediate pressure on him 
he could learn behind another very athletic point guard, uh, John Wall, and he should have the proper amount of opportunity as John Wall is easing back in. My comparison was current Derrick Rose, but he also does scare me to have bust potential like Dennis Smith Jr. Now moving on to Trey Jones. He's a 20-year-old, 6'3", 185-pound point guard out of Duke. He averaged 16.2 points, uh, 4.2 assists, 6.4 assists, oh, 4.2 rebounds, and 6.4 assists on 42.3% from the field, 36.1% from three, and 77.1% from the free throw line. His strengths are that he has a good pull-up jumper, he's a good passer, he's a gritty defender, he's a good ball handler, good floater game, he's pretty crafty around the basket, he's a smart player, for the most part takes good shots, he's a very good handle, he's very good at changing uh, speed and direction which allows him to beat defenders, uh, he's a great team defender and he has a good ability to defend both on and off the ball. Weaknesses, his size is average for a point guard, he is below average athleticism, his lack of quick first step uh, limits his driving ability. Overall, his potential is limited due to his size and athleticism. His three-point shot can be inconsistent. He sometimes struggles as a shot creator. He has some very big issues with finishing through contract. Uh, contact. Overall, he isn't a very good finisher. His ability in the pick and roll doesn't stand out, and his release is pretty slow. I have him rated as around the top 25 to 35 range, and I just think he fits best with a team that could use a backup point guard so i have with the lakers the hawks or the jazz my comparison would either be jalen brunson for the mavericks or tyus jones now moving on to the last prospect in my opinion this is will be the steal of the draft desmond bain he's a 22 year old six foot six 215 pound shooting guard out of tcu he averaged 16.6 points, 6.4 rebounds, and 3.9 assists on 45.2% from the field, 44.2% from three, and 78.9% from the free throw line. The strengths are that he's a he has a very good uh, NBA-ready frame. He's an elite shooter. He makes the right passes. He has high IQ and effort on defense. He's a very good team and individual defender. He's super strong. He's a, a pretty solid rebounder. He moves very well off the ball. He's a player that can fit on any team. And he, he has the ability to make shots off the dribble. He's a pretty solid uh, finisher. He can be an impact player immediately. Uh, he takes what teams gives to him. And he doesn't take many bad shots. And he does have the ability at the end of the shot lock to make some contested shots his weaknesses is that he's a below average he has below average ball handling he could struggle with turnovers due to his ball handling he's an older player he may not have much room to grow his ceiling isn't very high his explosiveness isn't great which limits his ability to get to the basket i rate him as a top 18 to 30 prospect in this upcoming draft uh and i have him f fitting basically any team because He's a 3 and D player, and that's what is needed in the modern NBA. But some players who, uh, some teams who I thought would fit him very well are the Sixers, Lakers, uh, Celtics, and Mavericks. They're all teams that could use a, a punch of scoring off the bench and some three-point shooting, or even as a starter, because I think he can be such a good immediate impact player. My comparison would either be Prime Eric Gordon or Luke Kennard with better defense. So guys, I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you did, please show it some love. Leave it, leave it a like on YouTube. Share it with your friends. 
and everybody have a good day. Goodbye.